Coming up, the number one fantasy book podcast, breaking down the scrolls and spells of nerd culture. We're Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Honor Spren? Welcome to another Rhythm of War pre-release chapter series hosted by Phantology. I'm Steven, and we do these every week. So if you are a fan of the Stormlight Archive and are up to date with the Rhythm of War chapters, then go ahead and check out this series of videos slash podcasts that we put out. Today, we are covering chapter 10, which was a shorter chapter. So I expect this to be a shorter conversation unless there's a bunch of comments to address. But this chapter was maybe not as memorable. I mean, there is something very important that happens. I, and I think we'll see that this this new plot line going forward throughout the rest of the book. But in terms of like a bunch of action, yeah, not that much. It's mostly just one conversation, two conversations, one between Kaladin and Syl, another between Kaladin and Dalinar. And while they were really great for their characters in terms of the action, yeah, probably not something to write home about. But there is quite a lot to discuss here, which I plan on getting into. If you like Phantology, check us out at Phantology Books on social media online at www.phantologybooks.com. So go ahead and plug that into your browser and you will find a bunch of our content. We cover all kinds of fantasy books, so more than just Stormlight Archive and Brandon Sanderson. Everything from Joe Abercrombie to Wheel of Time to Dresden Files. We are pretty much currently Dresden Files and looking forward to Battleground coming out soon. So we try to cover the entire fantasy book landscape. So if you like fantasy books, check us out. We have a partnership going on with uh, with Audible right now. So if you like listening to fantasy books, you can find some information on a, on a free demo book that you can get through this uh, link that we will attach to our episode postings, and we also have a, a merch store, more than just Phantology merch. We actually have a, kind of a lot of fun merch, uh, different fantasy nerd type designs, which I plan on repping soon. So check that out, and then please join our Discord. We have uh, conversations ongoing about Rhythm of War pretty much every week and, and throughout the week with theories, etc., and more than that, I mean, any any book, we've, we've got most things covered. So go ahead and check that out and join our conversations. Be a part of the community. Let us know what books you'd like us to cover, what you like, what you don't like, what we may have missed, whatever. Hop on there and you'll find a growing community of fantasy nerds to discuss books with. So going into chapter 10. So we start again with a little note from Navani's lecture series. This time she's going to hit on three different metals that are familiar to us from our time in schedule. So she's talking about tin and steel and iron. Tin is apparently the metal of choice if you want to make some kind of diminisher fabriel, which at first glance doesn't really make sense because tin is not what you think about when you like it's more of a like storing thing or or increasing your ability like tin eyes. For example, Spook from Mistborn. That's what you think about in terms of tin. 
but it's actually like oppositely aligned with pewter and pewter is an augmenter. So this actually makes more sense theory wise than it maybe does in Mistborn, which is interesting. And then steel and iron are kind of thrown in there as metals that can reverse the polarity of the Fabriel, which makes sense since those are your classic pushing and pulling metals that we see a ton of going into the chapter. So Kaladin, this is a this is a 100% a Kaladin chapter, just a, a long conversation between Kaladin and Syl, and then between Kaladin and Dalinar. But we do get several other details as well. So Kaladin's feeling better here on this flyover back to Narek to the to, to where the oath gate is um, that will take you off to Yithiru. And he's feeling better. He's off on his own. He kind of has some time to clear his head a bit. He gets into this conversation with Yunfa, who is an honor spren that we haven't met before. He's actually the last remaining unbonded honor spren. Apparently, there is a bit of a split with the honor spren, and the vast majority, or at least a majority, are unwilling to form bonds with humans. Sil hasn't done a very good job, or she's just had a lot of issues getting them to uh, to join up with her and Yunfa and Co. And so being the last remaining honor spread, this is this is the bottleneck in forming more Windrunners and Kaladin is trying to encourage him to form a bond and not just any bond he would like Kaladin would really like Yunfa to form a bond with Rulane, who is our bridge for member who's also a Parshman slash Parshendi slash singer, if you remember from the previous books. And Kaladin isn't going to force Yunfa, but he is going to invoke the honor spren hierarchy, I guess you would say. He's going to invoke the honor spren hierarchy and say, I'm your leader, I'm in charge of the Windrunners, and I'd really like you to consider Relaine, and you have 10 days to let me know what your decision is but I would like Relaine to be a part of your consideration. So we're not forcing, but we are coercing at least a little bit. And maybe significant that I gave him 10 days, considering another decision is going to be given a 10-day deadline. We'll see if there's some crossover there. After this conversation, we see Narek, which is more fortified. There's some lightning rods in place, so maybe a nice technological advancement there. Sanderson likes these technological advancements throughout his books. I mean, Reed and Bisborn era two, a year has passed here, and I'm guessing a lot has happened in this year, and you can see this type of thing here. The lightning rods are for protection against the Everstorm. The Everstorm was one thing that I thought would be a bigger deal that wasn't. It seemed like it was this huge thing at the end of Words of Radiance when the Everstorm was unveiled. And then in Oathbringer, they're like, yeah, the Everstorm comes, and you see it be really problematic, more an edge dancer, I guess. But it seems like they've been able to weather the Everstorm maybe better than you might expect. There were a few things at the end of Words of Radiance. I was also dissatisfied with the whole fallout from Kaladin's, the revelation that Kaladin killed Helleran, and the revelation that or the the act that Adolin killed Sadius. Both were kind of glossed over, so I'm hoping for more of these things in Words of Radiance, or in, in Rhythm of War. I guess we'll see. Anyway, Narek has this mysterious pillar 
that we would maybe like to understand more about the singer origins. And Kaladin reflects that, man, it's a shame that the two heralds that we have, one of them is fully crazy. One of them is halfway crazy. And it would be nice if they had more to offer. And maybe they could tell us about these types of things, but they can't. So maybe this pillar will be referenced more. We'll get more. Maybe this is just some kind of reference to the pillar in year zero. Anyway, I don't know. It was worth mentioning. It seemed like Kaladin goes to talk to Dalinar now, and he sees Dalinar standing here with a lesser officer. Dalinar is reading a report on purpose. This is obviously strange and disconcerting for this other guy who's waiting on Dalinar because obviously men are not supposed to read in Roshar, in the in the Alethi society, at least. And Dalinar is blatantly just disregarding this and using this as something that kind of sets him apart. And he's not going to be ashamed of his newfound reading ability. He tells him that he wants to publicize Iale's suicide. Interesting. We don't know if Dalinar has misinformation or if he is choosing to treat this as a suicide and maybe circle back with the troops later on, because we know obviously from Shalant's chapters that it wasn't a suicide. So what report did Dalinar get? We also learned that Dalinar is now only the king of Yurthiru. He's not a high king. This is something that must have been resolved in the time skip because in Oathbringer, there was this idea that Dalinar was going to be the high king above everyone else and everyone else was going to kind of, you know, give him some subservience here. But he's only the king of Yurthiru, which is apparently kind of the separate thing. And Dalinar advises now Yasna, the queen of Alethkar, to move into the war camps fully with Iale gone now. So we see what his role is a little bit more. We haven't got very much Dalinar hardly at all in the first 10 chapters. And this is going to be the biggest chapter for him thus far. The conversation with Kaladin starts with this nice kind of silence standoff where Dalinar doesn't say anything and Kaladin reflects and says, I know what he's doing. This is a common tactic and I'm not going to bite for it. So even though they're allies, there's still some tension between Kaladin and his light eyes king here, which frankly, I don't know, is maybe like a little disappointing. Like at what point does Kaladin get over this thing with light eyes after serving with Dalinar for over a year now and seeing how honorable he is? Like let's move past the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm very much, empathetic towards Kaladin for his whole, uh, you know, his issues, his PTSD for his depression. But at the same time, I would really just like to give him a nice push and say, you know, Kaladin, let's move past some of these issues. I, I hope he does. But it seems like he's still struggling with the Dalinar King light eyes thing. I guess it's earned because of all his backstory. But at the same time, you'd really like to see him make some more progress. And he hasn't quite done that yet. They start talking about the strategy with the Heavenly Ones that we discussed in previous chapters where Kaladin says, like, what's the point of killing them? They're just going to come back. It's much more important to fight this kind of more war of preservation where we don't let our Knights Radiant die because they are much harder to replace. And we have a comment coming in saying that, is anyone else sad that there's only going to be one more book after this one with Cal? So I don't know if that's true. We obviously know that after book five, there's going to be a tone shift, but I've heard it's only like 10 to 15 years from the end of book five to book six. I don't think Kaladin's going to be gone. The common theory, the theory that I like, the theory that I'm going to put down for Phantology is that at the end of book five, 
we're going to have the reforming of the Oath Pact and our current heroes are going to become the new heralds. That means all of our current heralds needs to die and that's already kind of happening. I really like that theory. In fact, I'm going to guarantee, I'm going to make a phantology guarantee that that's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen because it's really hard to guess Brandon Sanderson's, it's really hard to guess what, what twist Brandon Sanderson is going to throw at us. But that's the phantology guarantee. So hold us to that. Anyway, I think we'll see Kaladin more in books six to 10. I mean, we know that Yasna, the, the Yasna backstory and flashbacks is going to happen in like book eight or nine, depending on how well Sanderson follows his plan, which has already changed once. So I think we're seeing our current characters, but, but in an entirely new light in arc two. They then talk about the whole thing at the end of Oathbringer with the big revelation at the end of Oathbringer, which was that Honor was the god of the singers first, the Parshendi, the humans are the invaders. This is what this revelation is also what caused the recreants, which is when the Knights Radiant of old abandoned their oaths and killed their spren. Dalinar is uncomfortable with this. They reflect that some orders of the knights have been okay with it, just kind of like dismissed it as this oddity of the past, but at the same time, we're fighting this war, so we can't focus on it too much. But uh, guys like Dalinar and Kaladin and the Windrunners are not super okay with it, and Dalinar kind of shrugs this off. This whole thing with the Recreants still doesn't seem like there's enough to it yet. And another Phantology theory espoused by Jake from the podcast is that the real revelation is going to be that the Knights Radiant destroyed Ashen, their previous planet, with their surges. And that's why it's such a big deal. And that's why the Knights Radiant did not want to use the power anymore because of how destructive it was and the fact that they leveled an entire planet with it. We already kind of know this. Like, this is not a, a huge new thing, but I don't think it's been a big deal yet. So I think that's what we're thinking will be more of a focus in this book. Dalinar charges still to, hey, get me more honor spread. I mean, this isn't a new charge that he's given her, but they talk about how Sill hasn't gotten any more in the past eight months. I don't know if it, this is necessarily like Sill's only Sill's responsibility. Like maybe some of the other honor friends should be stepping up or someone else should be an ambassador to this friend. Maybe like an else caller like Yasna should make some inroads here. Anyway, we haven't gotten anything in eight months and we'll see what happens there. I, I would like to see Sill, a shot of Sill kind of talking to her honor friend brethren, trying to get them to join up. She says that they're very uh, hard to convince. After this, Dalinar starts talking about how Kaladin has been freezing in the line of duty and he can't have this anymore. And unfortunately, Kaladin is going to be relieved of duty, relieved as a commander of the Windrunners, the force that he has built up over the past year plus. Kaladin has this real visceral reaction, his gut clenches, and it's this real negative, desperate reaction of like, no, you can't do this to me, Dalinar. And he immediately falls back into this old accusation of that Dalinar is supposed to be different. How could you do this? How could you take this away from me? And Dalinar, without even blinking, just deflects this ridiculous argument from Kaladin saying, look, I am helping you. I am helping your men. I'm helping them survive. And you know, deep down that this is not, this is the best thing for you. And I'm 100% with Dalinar here. This is a great move. I think right now it's going to be hard on Kaladin, but I really hope he can get past it. 
and find a better use for himself. We love to see Kaladin fighting. He's an expert wind runner. He's got this great relationship with Bridge Four. And I think he can keep all of that, but maybe in a slightly different role. And we'll see that, obviously, going forward in the book. But I'm with Dalinar. I think this is a hard thing for Kaladin to accept. It's probably a hard thing for Dalinar to throw at him, even. But I think it's necessary, and it shows you that Dalinar is not afraid of making the hard decisions. What a fantastic leader Dalinar is. And it shows you what Dalinar has seen in the past and and his understanding of Kaladin. And so I wish that Dalinar and Kaladin had a little more like father-son type relationship because I think talking with Dalinar would be a great thing for Kaladin with his current issues if he was able to speak to someone who has gone through a lot of the same types of things with PTSD and this this really intense self-loathing. That would totally help Kaladin. So maybe there'll be a nice emotional moment between the two of them later on. Usually these deep emotional moments are reserved for the conversations with Hoyd slash Wit, but I would like to see them between Kaladin and Dalinar. I think their relationship can go further. I think it's interesting how close Kaladin is to his men emotionally, internally, while still being so distant physically. He One of the things he says is, what if they die because I'm not there? And he looks over at them having a, having a good time laughing and joking but Kaladin hasn't been really a part of their inner society. Like, like he's always there with them, but he's also apart from them emotionally. But it's amazing to see how important, you know, that they are the number one priority for Kaladin himself. That's really beautiful. And I think that's very true for someone who's dealing with depression type things. Like there's so much that are that's internalized that if people knew more, they would really understand really have a deeper understanding and appreciation for people. I think that's perfectly perfectly done by Sanderson there. They talk about how no one's gone to the third oath yet, and there is some speculation, perhaps, that this is because none of the Windrunners want to make that step. Well, or I guess I should say the fourth oath. No one's gone past the third oath. None of the Windrunners want to make that step before Kaladin does because they they can't go past their commander. Kaladin's had this issue, this blocker, there's been a lot of speculation as to what this fourth oath is. Most of it's around like accepting the inevitable, something like what Kaladin was about to do in Oathbringer but couldn't do. And then ultimately Dalinar says, Kaladin, you've got 10 days to give me what you would like to do, what your next assignment would like to be. He understands and respects Kaladin's desires here. And again, we've got 10 days. So two big decisions that uh, need to happen within 10 days. We'll see what happens. We've got 10 chapters that have only covered one day. So we'll see how long it takes us to get uh, 10 days further into the book. Maybe this is going to be the ultimate climax. We'll see. I, I don't think so. I think this is done on purpose. The fact that so much of the first 10 chapters is happening within one day. Sanderson said he wanted to start off Rhythm of War with a mini avalanche and bring you right into the action, which is different than previous books. I think we'll get into these decisions fairly quickly. And then at the very end, Kaladin walks off trying to keep a good face on the situation, but he views himself as a casualty, even though Bridge 4 hadn't really had any. He says Kaladin Stormblast was killed. So this seems really bad. And uh, man, I hope that Kaladin can kind of get this together because ultimately I think this is the right decision for him. This is the right decision for Dalinar to make, and it's the right path for Kaladin to take forward. 
So hopefully we can work it out. Hopefully we can communicate. Gosh, Kaladin is awful, is an awful communicator, but hopefully he can talk to Dalinar a little bit here and make this okay. I kind of think this has a chance of blowing up because most things in fantasy books that get set up this way just end up being poor communication. And before you know it, we're full on fighting each other and it's a complete disaster. But we'll see. We can always be optimistic, I guess. I wonder who the next battle leader will be. Seems like it's kind of being set up to be Teft. That would make a lot of sense. But I guess anyone is really a possibility at this point. And then as far as Kaladin's next use, there's some speculation on the Phantology Discord that maybe he could be like an ambassador to the Heavenly Ones. That's kind of been speculated a little bit. I mean, obviously in the text, it talks about him being an ambassador to other nations. We will see. Maybe he'll just go back to being a surgeon. I don't want to spoil anything for another chapter that was released in Sanderson's newsletter, but there was a an interlude chapter from a viewpoint character, a new viewpoint character that hinted at what Kaladin was doing. It was a little bit further on. We don't know how much further on, but that will give you some additional insight into where Kaladin is at. So that's a wrap for chapter 10. If you like Phantology books, check us out again online. Go to your browser, type in www.phantologybooks.com and you will see some recent episodes, all of our episodes laid out, in fact, with several different viewing options. There are also some links to our Patreon, which we would really appreciate any support you feel Phantology deserves. Any money from patrons goes directly back into the podcast. We use it for editing, to speed up editing, to get out two episodes a week. Right now, we're actually doing three episodes a week because if you count these short episodes, so Phantology is really you know, grinding on this side hustle, trying to get out as much content as possible, any dollar amount that you feel uh, that you deem Phantology worthy of, we would very much appreciate. Check out our merch store for some cool, I think they're cool, some some cool shirt options that exist there. And please join our Discord and let us know what you think of Phantology and what theories you have, and we will work them into um, our next live stream. And, and then, of course, our Audible partnership as well so thanks all thanks for listening and we will see everyone next week for another rhythm of war pre-release chapter i'm guessing chapter 11 